I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chance, the co-founder of Next Move Group. And today we've got Dan Silverman with us. He's the vice president of FDI for Invest Quebec International. So I think other than Bruce Tackett, you're our first north of the border guest, Dan. So welcome. Awesome. Pleasure. So Dan is based in Montreal. He was just telling me offline he's moved twice during the pandemic. So we might get into that in a minute. But Montreal's absolutely one of my favorite cities, Dan, as you well know. I used to get up there at least once a year, if not more, before the pandemic. So I'm a little jealous of you. Not this time of the year with all that snow, but normally I'm a little jealous of you. But uh, tell our listeners uh, exactly what your organization does up there and how it might differ from the U.S. ways that we typically do EDOs. Well, thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, a little bit colder. We had about a foot of snow uh, this weekend. So people are out skiing and doing what they can in the pandemic. But Invest Quebec is a little bit of a different beast than what you might have seen from some of the other traditional economic development agencies. Yes, we do have a division that is solely dedicated to foreign direct investment, but we're also a financing corporation. And what I mean, we're a financing corporation, the layman's terms might be we're a bank, but we will invest in equity in projects and make that a little bit more attractive for some clients to come and relocate to not relocate or expand to the province of Quebec, but also help them further innovating and helping them buying machining and whatnot. As you well know, being a site selector, Canada is not the most heavy incentivized country when it comes to foreign direct investment. And we do our best with the financing division to do loans, low interest, no interest, or partly non-refundable loans to entice companies to come up here, but also investing in equity. My division is focused on foreign direct investment and international talent attraction. So not only do we help companies come in here and continue by working with the subsidiaries, but we'll also help them attract talent from abroad and not just foreign businesses, but also Quebec-based. And most recently, back in June, Export Quebec merged in with our division of Invest Quebec International. So We're probably over 100 employees that invest Quebec International and growing on the FDI side with 12 direct international offices under my branch, but about 1,000 employees that invest Quebec overall. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a lot bigger. I knew you were big, but that's bigger than I thought. So then you have offices around the world telling the Quebec story, I guess. We have 33 official Quebec delegations and then 12 Invest Quebec FDI offices. And now with the addition of export, it kind of puts that into the high 20s in terms of people that are able to tell the foreign direct investment story to, of Quebec. Well, tell our listeners about the Quebec economy, because I know when I'm up there, most of my time has been spent in Montreal. I've been to Quebec City, but just for like a day. But I mean, I've probably spent two months in Montreal if you add it all up. And I know there's a lot of aerospace up there. There's a lot of food processing. So talk just a little bit about what makes that economy tick. Well, what people don't realize is, you know, even though our population is not in the 8 million range, we have well, probably one of the biggest land masses that you could say in the Americas, the Quebec is such a new province, which means we're diversified. So the greater Montreal area, very strong on the aerospace side, Quebec City and Montreal, both on the life sciences side and video games. I think we're very well underrated for video games. Ubisoft has a huge presence here, EA Sports. We're really growing on the film side. We're seeing a lot of animation coming into the province of Quebec, both in Quebec City, as well as in the city of Montreal. What people might not see is the cybersecurity side of things, which is in Gatineau, which is just on the other side of the little bridge from Ottawa, so strategically located to Canada's capital. But as you mentioned, the agribusiness is huge across. We've got numerous deep water ports coming in from the St. Lawrence River. So we've kind of become a bit of an all-access stop. One of our priority sectors at the moment is the electrification of vehicles and electric batteries. So we have a specific battery strategy that's run by our Minister of Economy. We also represent 50% of electric vehicles in Canada are owned and operated in the province of Quebec. So it's a strategy we've been moving forward with. We're looking to continue to diversify. We have a strong financial services sector. And all these sectors keep growing. I mean, the one that probably pops out the most these days in people's minds outside of aerospace is AI. You know, with Mila being headquartered here and, and Joshua Bengio in Montreal, we're seeing a lot of interest in getting a lot of people from AI not just on the fact of coming to Canada, the talent that's grown here, and the fact that we can recruit talent from abroad to come to Montreal. Because as you know, being one of your favorite cities, it's a very livable, uh, great place to work and play. Oh, I love it. And some of the best food I've ever eaten was in Montreal. And I specifically remember a seafood restaurant up that big hill. What do you call the big hill in Montreal? Oh, up, up Mount Royal. There's a seafood restaurant up there I love. I can't remember the name of it now. I could drive you straight to it if I was in town. I'm trying to remember the name of Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I was in Montreal once, and I didn't even realize it for the Jazz Fest. So, you know, we obviously got a big Jazz Fest in New Orleans. And matter of fact, Dr. John, he's passed now, but the famous New Orleanian was playing at the Jazz Fest in Montreal. It was right around the 4th of July. So anyway, I stumbled into this jazz fest and I was listening to this guy played at blues in French. You know, I had the best time of my life. I had a great time. You go up there in the summer, it is absolutely, you want to hit that jazz fest. And it was like two weeks long. Yeah, 100%. A lot of it's free because it's outdoors. I don't remember who exactly. I want to say it was B.B. King that once played and there was 250,000 people on a city block. Yeah. You know, Montreal and Quebec, summer and winter, non-COVID years. Festival Central, you have the Formula One yeah. race, you have the Comedy Festival in Quebec, you have the Winter Festival. Two great places to be, um, you know, and just provides a little bit of that good work-life balance. Yeah, I saw this blues singer at the Jazz Fest named Bob Walsh. He passed, but he was like the Canadian B.B. King or whatever. And I just happened to walk up to him performing. And, you know, living down here, I, I hear the blues all the time. He was the best I ever heard. 
And I started following him, and he passed a few years later because I wanted to go see him again. But, you know, maybe one of the reasons I love it, Montreal has a similar, you know, that French flair like New Orleans. So, I mean, there's some similarities. But it's interesting you bring up the video games because we're strong in that here. And I was actually at a seminar online deal two or three weeks ago, and they actually said that the two strongest areas with incentives and all for video game production was New Orleans, and I couldn't remember if it was Toronto or Montreal, so I guess it was Quebec. So what is behind, did that just kind of happen, or was that a strategy that y'all built out carefully, or what's behind that? I think a little bit of both. You know, obviously, we've always had a presence at Ubisoft here that keeps reinvesting, and and Ubisoft, obviously, being French-based, saw an immediate synergy to Quebec, and it's funny because, you know, not a lot of people think of Louisiana as a gaming destination, but I remember when Jared Smith was working in Baton Rouge and I connected him to the VP of Government Affairs at Ubisoft in my previous days. But it's a huge talent play. It's easy to attract workers here. It started off with probably Ubisoft and a couple of the homegrown players. And now you just have a number of companies that are looking at the market. Still competitive against Toronto, I would say given a few of the companies that I attracted when I was in Toronto to that market, my team attracted. But here in Montreal, we do have pretty aggressive tax credits for the video game industry. And it's also one that we know that it's going to continue to thrive. And we've only seen that through the pandemic. So we've seen the number of job postings increase from these companies. We've seen the number of requests for visas for international talent from these companies. And we've seen an actual uptick in the number of companies looking to be here because it's an ecosystem. So you have the homegrown companies like a behavior, which is leveraging the Ubisoft and the EAs and the rest of the world. And the connection to AI and the connection to the film industry, it's a real nice melting pot for these three, four sectors combined. Thank you, Dan. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more with Dan Silverman right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success and how are y'all doing in the covid my listeners would probably be mad if i didn't ask that question so in all fairness we're recording this in mid-january so we're seeing another spike down here in the states what's it like in quebec currently in a I don't want to call it a full-fledged lockdown, but we have a curfew going on here to curb the number of cases that we're having of 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. and predominantly been working from home. But on the actual economic development side, it's been a really strong year given the pandemic. So I don't want to say surprisingly, but surprisingly, it changes the way we've done our job. I joined at the 
start of the pandemic. I joined Invest Quebec from Toronto in, at the end of January. So essentially a year ago, you know, restructured the team during the pandemic and, you know, reassigned what we were doing. The biggest part for us has been the foreign subsidiaries reinvesting during the pandemic. And that's probably what has saved a lot of jobs. But on the greenfield investment side, we're probably trending on what we did the previous years, slightly below, but the pipeline is strong. And I think part of our big struggle right now is our borders are closed. So I have clients that want to come visit sites. I can get them in, but at the end of the day, it's the border officer who decides if they come in or not. They got a quarantine for two weeks. And, you know, we saw it in the film industry. There's movies being filmed here right now. Halle Berry posted for about two and a half weeks all of her adventures in 14-day quarantine in a hotel in Montreal. Yeah, a friend of mine, not my friend, but a friend of mine's got a friend, so a mutual acquaintance who crossed over in the Vancouver side, and they had to stay in a hotel for 14 days. So how are the hockey th- – you know, hockey just started back. I'm a big St. Louis Blues fan. Yeah, like, are the Canadians that. able to host hockey teams, or are they well, based in the States? No, right now what they've done is they've divided it up to only have a Canadian division. So all the Canadians oh. play each other. So I think 10 times a year each, we don't have any home games happening until late next week, but they've been given approval to proceed without fans. As I think all the Canadian teams, there's no fans in the buildings, but they did quite a job last year in the summertime, let's say with the two bubbles they had in Edmonton and Toronto, zero COVID cases in those instances, but the whole team lived in a hotel for, I think they kept champions, it was like four months, so. Yeah. Well, how does this organization compare to the one you work for in Toronto? Very different. You know, in Toronto, we were probably about 25 plus people responsible for, you know, one of the largest metropolitan regions, which was a great experience. And I had a lot of great pleasure working there. But across the globe, across Canada, these Invest Quebec has always kind of been, you know, in Montreal International, the, the golden standard about how they work together. And then when I had the opportunity to speak to Hubert Rodeuf, who is the president of Invest Quebec International, and talk about this opportunity, I knew I had to jump on it to go from a team of, you know, directly in investment attraction of 10 to 12 people, uh, maybe a little bit more depending, to 55, 60 and growing. I knew that was a great opportunity. We have a very aggressive government here that has put into place this financing corporation that helps us attract these businesses similar to some of our friends in the states but you're now responsible for an entire province versus just a region so you got to kind of think about what you're doing to service not just the 70 to 80 percent plus of fbi that lands in the city of montreal but the rest of the large province that we have yeah now ottawa's in ontario isn't it it is yeah yeah my uncle actually so that's when i first started like in canada my uncle worked for the u.s state department at the embassy in ottawa and so when I was a little boy, eight or nine, we went up and we actually drove because we stopped all along the way. I was raised poor, so we didn't have a lot of money. So like we stopped in all these towns. We stopped and saw like Detroit and we stopped and saw like, I don't know, Chicago, whatever. We made a whole trip out of it, you know. But I was up there. I guess y'all celebrate your Independence Day on like July 1st. Yeah. Yeah. So I was up there. My mom still tells this story. He took us to the roof of the embassy in Ottawa. And the fireworks scared me as a little boy. And I like cried and made this big scene with all these dignitaries there and they had to rush me out. I didn't even get to watch all of the fireworks. So my time in Canada goes way on back. Well, one thing we like to do is really understand our guest stories and how they got into economic development and see if you got any success tips you can share with others. So obviously you've been highly successful. What got you in this field to start with? 
probably similar to maybe a handful of other people and including like a Jason Hickey is you're kind of born into it because my father's been in the business forever as a consultant, the site selection consultant. And, you know, when I was younger, I said, nah, I'm not going to do this. And then one of my father's former business partners at the time when I graduated college, uh, my plan was to go work for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And he's like, I'll give you a part-time job until you're ready to go. And 12 years later, I was still with the organization and, you know, being able to be successful in this industry is due to the people that you meet and you know you be one of them chad you know we've always been able to have great conversations whether it's career related or talking projects or you know we'd be at an SEDC together and go for dinner with a group of people and foster those mutual introductions and i think the network you build in this you know if we had another 40 minutes i might be able to thank all the people that have helped me out through this but it's being able to rely on people and i think one of the things for me is People in this industry have always been able to give you an ear to listen to you and coach you and do things. I've been fortunate to be successful by the mentors that I've had in my career so far, but also just that ability to take a chance. I mean, we see it in the U.S. People relocate for economic development jobs all the time. And, you know, Danielle Casey is a great example. Danielle had a great thing in Scottsdale, went back to Sacramento and then just got awarded a few months ago to the CEO in Albuquerque. And she's someone I try to speak to quite regularly, but in Canada, that doesn't happen. People don't relocate. And when I went to Toronto, it was a big decision, but it was for a great job and a great opportunity with a great regional group. And to come back home and work for Invest Quebec, it was, you know, to me, a, the kind of a peak opportunity here. And then Hubert and then the minister as well, our global CEO, Guy LeBlanc, gave me that opportunity. So I'm happy to be back. But I really say, you know, the IEDC conferences, the SCDC conferences, the opportunities to network within this industry sector has allowed me to kind of get to where I've got to. Thank you, Dan. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more with Dan Silverman right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to the nextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. Yeah, it'll be great when we can all go back. And to your credit, we started this business seven years ago and you were one of the first people I called and you believed in us right from the start. So you practice what you preach, I guess you could say. So here we are seven years later. You know, one thing I find interesting that U.S. citizens might not know is Canadians really follow our politics down here. And of course, this week is inauguration, so we won't get into what side you're on because you can't win that battle. But you might just tell our folks, like, it's a spectacle up there. I was up there, I think the week Obama won in 08 or 12, maybe. I don't remember. I was in Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, obviously I was an American. And, like, the lady who was serving me, like, she asked me, who did I vote for? And this other one, like, you know, I was like, boy, these Canadians, they get into our elections more than we do. I think we get into your elections more than we get into our own, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's in the States, you're always down to really a race of two and you probably race of four, sometimes five here in Canada. But I know you hate it, but it was the fireworks that's down there happening all the time. And the major elections are never without the drama. So I actually remember being at the last election when Trump was elected. I was at Disney World on the little 
shuttle from the actual Disney World to the parking lot with my family. And it's kind of right when everything got announced and there were no Americans on the, <laughs> on, on the boat at the time. But you could just hear everyone going, wow, oh. Uh, so that was an interesting time to be down in Florida. But yeah, it's something that we pay a lot of attention to. And some of us pay a little bit more attention because it does have some business implications and foreign direct implications here. But you get the people that are hardcore into it. And then you get the other people that just grab their bag of popcorn and sit on the couch and, and watch. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand and just flipping through your news channels up there. They've always got whatever's happening in our politics going on. So, well, as we wind down, is there anything you know now that you wish you'd have known 10 or 15 years ago that for any of our young listeners that, uh, you just learn through the hard knocks, if that makes any sense. You know, I don't think when I started, when you started in this industry that we ever intended to, but what a great industry to be in. And I encourage a lot of people when I speak to some of the universities and their international business programs, I guess I'm not considered part of the young leaders anymore in the, at the IDC and whatnot, but what an industry to be in. If you want to have an international experience, a true international experience, working with some of these companies from around the globe on their global expansion strategies or doing their site selection or just going to conferences around the world and having the opportunity to work as an expat, the economic development industry is different every day. And if you're just getting into it, it can be hard. It can be long. It's not your traditional nine to five. But the experiences you're going to have in life are unbelievable. And the people you're going to meet and the friendships that you're going to make are going to be lifelong. All right, Dan, anything else you want to share with our listeners I might not have asked you? No, that's great. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And to our listeners, I'm telling you, I love Montreal. And I know Quebec City is really great. And a friend of mine went up there and did this whole hunting and fishing trip, had a ball. But yep. I can tell me, I love Montreal. If you want to go to Montreal, I can give you a whole map of all the stuff you need to do. Once the COVID lift, y'all go up there and spend some money in Dan's economy. Let him get a little bit of that sales tax to fund his organization. I'll give you a whole week's worth of stuff to do while you're up there. All right. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me.